0: Well, it's good to be with you guys this morning, and uh, just as a reminder of who I am and how I I got here, I actually grew up in uh, Tuscaloosa, actually in Northport. Uh, Erica and I grew up, we we lived within about five minutes from each other, out on Lake Tuscaloosa, went to Northside High School, and uh, so we've been uh, missionaries with the International Mission Board which uh, you guys as Southern Baptists, you get to support uh, missionaries around the world who do what we do. And um, so we are just glad to come back to Tuscaloosa and uh, Donnie and Mary and Smith are Erica's parents. So when Erica was about 24, I took a Smith and made her a Patrick. Very happy to have done that. So that's who we are and how we're here. It is really interesting that I had no idea that you guys were going through the book of Psalms And that Psalms chapter 13 is what we're going to be uh, looking at today. So if you'll turn with me there, we'll begin with reading. And uh, it sounds like even just from the language I'm hearing and from the prayer that Pastor Michael prayed that you guys have already talked a little bit about lament. So today is not going, we are going to talk about lament, but I want to talk about lament through the lens of what has happened in our journey and the, the process that God has taken us through the, this journey of lament that we have been on so that you can kind of see our lives and see what's happening on the other side of the world while at the same time get a better understanding of what's happening in Psalm 13 and what this uh, lamenter is, uh, what, what his lamenting is looking like. So let's read together in Psalm chapter 13. Remember when you read a psalm, a psalm is a poem usually, and when a poem uh, a poet writes a poem. He's writing for the purpose of expressing emotion to you. Uh, he, he's not writing to to express a point or to argue an argument. He's writing because he wants you to feel something. And so today, as I read, I want us to feel what this poet is expressing from his own heart. How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? But but I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. There are some moments in life that are so painful we feel as though God has abandoned us. Some of you, like us, lost a child early, maybe before birth or after birth, and that pain—in that pain—you just felt, God, where are you? Some of you, disease, a cancer has entered your home and and just ravaged your life or the life of someone that you love, and that pain is just so deep it has torn your world apart, and you feel like, God, if you love me, why did you allow this to happen? For some of you, you were married to someone who said that they would be with you until death do you part. They said that they would be faithful and they were not. For some, maybe even recently in the midst of this COVID virus situation that we're in. Recently, maybe you've lost a job. Maybe you've lost something valuable to you in this time of Suffering related to the COVID virus. A lot of people all over the world are experiencing extreme suffering right now. And the psalmist feels this kind of pain. He feels this kind of injustice. And he says, will you, God, will you forget me forever? He asked that question with such vulnerability. This kind of pain happened for us for the first time in my life. I'm 40 years old. I experienced this kind of pain for the first time on March 8th of this year. We had served in China for 15 years. We got, went to college, went to seminary, we got married, we went straight to China. Seminary, uh, uh, China is the place where we had ch- um, children and raised our uh, three kids. It's the only home that our children ever knew. When they come to America, Tuscaloosa is not home. China is home. It's a place where we started the scout troop and where we camped and played with our friends and our dog. It's a place where we lived and served the Chinese people for over 12 years with with team members, same families that were on our team. And on March 8th of this year, after 15 years of serving and living in China, we received a call from our regional leader, the leader, the IMB leader who is over all of China, Japan, Korea. And um, after having already spent six weeks in the beginning of what was then called the coronavirus in China, after having lived in lockdown for six weeks, real lockdown, uh, not leave your home kind of lockdown. things were just starting to open up for us again, and we were uh, so happy that things were opening up, so we asked some of our other missionary friends to to come down to our house and we were out hiking with them. Life was looking good again. Uh, we were out on the trails, and he called and he said, "I have some bad news for you, and it 's going to ruin your day i 'm sorry to tell you this he 's mentioned this, uh, a a senior adult couple, a couple that was also with our company, serving in China. Uh, They had been serving for over 30 years. They had just retired and had come back to China on a short-term trip. And as they were getting ready to leave China to come back to the States, they were stopped at the border by Chinese officials. The officials took them in under house arrest and held them for two months of questioning. They asked them questions level of interrogation. We don't know exactly. We know that they were deprived of sleep and food. When they didn't get the answers that they wanted, they resorted to looking for information otherwise, other ways. So they, they uh, took their computer hard drive and they hacked the computer hard drive and from the hard drive they got a list of all IMB personnel who were serving in China between 2005 and 2008. That in- included us, and included many other colleagues of ours throughout China. And our IMB leader called to tell us that because our names were on that list, that incriminating list that told where we served, who we served, where, which churches had been planted, all the incrimination, incriminating evidence that could be found in one place, it was on that list, and because our name was on that list, he said, we had three days to pack up our home, our belongings, our children, our memories, and leave China... We couldn't, say no, we couldn't say goodbye to anyone, any of our friends or anyone that we knew there. It was painful. We struggled in so many ways as we grappled with the reality that we were being ripped from the people, the life, the friends, the ministry, the home that we had poured our lives into for 15 years. A lot of times it's hard for people in the states to understand what this feels like because you think, oh well that's good for you. China's hard. They don't Want you to preach. They watch you everywhere they go. It's an impressive lifestyle. You're getting come back to America where it's free and where there's uh, dreamland and there's family and the comforts of home. But what you don't understand is for 15 years, that was home. Imagine your life 15 years ago and everything for the past 15 years taken away. It was, as Erica says, it was like lighting a match on our lives. The pain was deep. And it seemed that the hurt would never stop. But healing has come for us. And I want to tell you this morning that in your darkest hour, in your point of greatest pain, it will come for you too. Today, I realize that some of you are younger and you've never experienced this kind of pain. Maybe it's hard for you to even relate to what it feels like. Some of you. I realize also have gone through even more intense pain than we have. Some, for some of you, maybe it's not been six months of pain. Maybe it's been six years. Some of you have experienced greater pain than we have. So I'm not telling you this just to tell you our sad story. That's not the point. I want, through seeing our story and seeing the God, the way that God is redeeming our story and seeing what Scripture says about how we can lament well, I want us together to learn how to grieve well and how to grieve in a way that doesn't just make us feel better and make us feel happy, but in a way where our pain leads us to trusting in God that thrusts us out into the world again to tell others how good God is. The, the end goal of, of lament is not to make you feel better. It's to bring you back to a place where you make the world see how good God really is. That is a uniquely... Um, Christian aspect of lament. So, what is lament? Um, when we left China, this is, this is just the providence of God. The, uh, so, before we left China, we had some friends who left in December. And when they left, they, had, they had, had a really hard time of grief themselves. And they put my friend gave me a paper copy of a book called Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. I'd never heard of the book, never heard of the author, and I love to read. And so he put this book in my hand. He said, I know you guys aren't going through what we're going through now, but I want to just want to give you this book. I finished reading it. You know, maybe it will come in handy um, one day. So when we left China and when we packed up everything, we put all the things that we wanted to bring out of China later uh, or have shipped to us later, we put in boxes in our garage. So all of my other paper books I put in the garage except for one book, Uh, And it was this book that he had given me, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. And this book, I think, by God's providence, he used it in my life in a very powerful way when we were when we left China. So when we left China, so when we left China, we didn't come straight back to the States. That would not have been a good place for us to land. Instead, we were taken from China to Thailand. And in Thailand, we sat there in a missionary compound with about 20 other families who were going through the same thing that we had just gone through. They had also just been pulled out of China. And so uh, in this time of Thailand, it was kind of a transition time, a time just to cry, to share our stories with other people, uh, to be in quarantine, uh, to, to help each other, encourage each other before moving on to our next field. And so as we sat there in Thailand reading this book, Mark Vrogop, the author of the book, this is how he defines lament. He says, lament is a prayer and pain that leads to trust. Lament is a path to praise as we are led through brokenness and disappointment. It is the path from heartbreak to hope. So as you think of lament, don't think of a point. Don't, think, don't confuse lament with just pain. Don't confuse it with just grief. Lament is a very uniquely Christian thing where we come in our pain and our brokenness, and it's that path between brokenness and full trust in God and what that path looks like in the middle. God has designed a way so that when we experience the deepest God-ordained pain in our lives, that He also, through a process over time, that He leads us to full trust in Him that leads to us being on a trajectory to tell the world how good He is. In the Scripture, the journey of lament goes through four stages. And you can remember these four stages by remembering four key words. Those key words are turn, complain, ask, and trust. I want to walk with you through that journey from pain to trust, by sharing what our journey looked like and how God has redeemed that in our journey and then I hope we can kind of lay that over on the pain that you've felt or that hope that in the future you might feel and talk about how we that might help you in this journey as well. The first step in this journey of lament is to turn to God. Address God as you come to him in prayer. The psalmist turns not to his friend or to his advisors or to his pastor or his priest, he turns first to the Lord. In Bangkok, where we were for those two months, our temptation, especially being there with all of our other colleagues who had just been evacuated out of China as well, our our first temptation was to want to just talk to them about what we were feeling, to just kind of complain to them about what we were feeling. And that's good. God designed us that way. God designed us so that when we are going through pain, we have this natural reaction. We want to talk. Now, some people talk differently. For Erica, my wife, she's a, um, what I call a flaming extrovert. So when she's going through pain, she wants to talk to everybody, not only in the compound, but in the city. She wants to tell them what's going on. For me, I want to talk, but it's going to be to a couple of close, to, close uh, friends or family. So we all have this desire to talk. But there's nothing wrong with talking, but our first place to turn should not be our friends. It should be to turn to God in prayer. Our natural reaction a lot of times in pain is anger or, uh, we, or, or fear or to withdraw. God wants us to engage with Him. He invites us to engage. So when, the, when you face that hard pain, determine to turn to God in prayer. Secondly, bring your complaint. After you've come to him in prayer, in that time of prayer, bring your complaint to him. This is what was very unique and very uh, misunderstood for me. Even though I had already I had graduated from one of our top seminaries, even though I had been in ministry for 20 years, I had never understood because I had never experienced real pain. I'd never understood what it means to complain to God and to complain in, a good, in, in, in the right way. When you bring your complaint to God, you identify in very blunt language the specific pain or the injustice that you felt. This is where a lot of times those why and those how words come out. Why could you allow this to happen? How could you do this, God? The psalmist here in the psalm is very bold in a way that makes us feel uncomfortable. He accuses God of letting his enemies triumph over him. God, you did this. And it is true, and he is expressing a, a, a very true theological reality that God had done that. God had allowed his enemies to triumph over him. God had allowed the Chinese officials to triumph over us. And he knew that. But he's saying, God, why, why could you do this? For us, it was, God, we've served you for 15 years in China. We stayed through the, heart, we stayed through the intensification of security last year. We stayed through coronavirus this year. After 15 years, why now? Why this way? Why could we not at least get a warning? Those were the complaints that I made to God. Bangkok was the first time that I really learned how to do that well. God can take your complaint. You will not threaten God's, God's Godhood by complaining to Him. That is one of the most most um, just relieving things I've ever come to understand is, is, is that I can complain to God I don't want to disrespect God. I don't want to belittle who He is as God, but I can complain to Him. I can express to Him that I don't understand, and you can too. Whatever pain you're going through, God, why did You allow this to happen? The next step on this journey, after you turn to God in prayer, you voice your complaint to Him, the next is you want to ask boldly, specifically call upon God to act in a manner that fits His character. And resolves your complaint. The psalmist asked God clearly for what he wants. He wanted to be delivered from his enemies. He wanted to be delivered from his enemies. The psalmist was he. He. It's not you know. A lot of times people want to complain, but they don't know what they really want. Have you ever Have you ever done that, or have you ever heard talk to someone and they just complain and complain and complain? But you're like, what is it that you really want? God wants us to come to him. He wants to complain, but then he wants us to tell him what we want. Because when you tell God what you want, you're expressing that he is God and that you are not. And you're expressing to him, you are glorifying him in that moment by expressing to him that he is the only one who can provide what you need in that moment. So he wants you to come and to ask, to complain and tell him what you feel, but also to ask him for what you need. And then the fourth step in this journey is to true, choose to trust in God. Affirm God's worthiness to be trusted and commit to praising Him. In short, in, short the psalm, in this psalm, the poet moves from a place of complete brokenness to full trust in God's character. This is the full cycle that God wants us to go through. In verse 5, he says, I have trusted in your steadfast love. It kind of makes your head spin. Okay, In five short verses, he moves from verse 1 of God, how long? What are you doing? To, but God, I trust in you. You can almost hear his voice change as you, read the, as you read the poem. You can hear his heart direction change. And that is what God, the process that God wants to, to, to lead us through. He wants us, like the psalmist, to say, I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. He wants our groaning to turn into singing That's the point of lament. That's the point of this journey. I like to, I was just thinking about it this way um, this morning about the different ways that people grieve. Christians have this uniquely. Uh, Christian thing called lament and lament leads us from a place of brokenness to to trust and it leads us from a bad place to a good place but I thought about it I was thinking about it this way, if you compare it to, uh, if you think about boiling a a, a pot of water so every day after lunch I like to uh, do a French press and drink a cup of coffee, so I I boil my. sometimes I boil water in in a kettle on the stove, so if you boil water in a kettle on a stove um, and, you know, the, the, the spout has the, hole, the holes that the steam comes out. So eventually, you know, the best, in my opinion, the best pots have the whistler on them, so I can't actually forget that I'm boiling water. But if you're boiling water and the steam starts to come out, the good thing is that that pent-up kind of stress that's happening in that pot comes out in a very healthy way over time. It gets hotter and hotter. The steam comes out. You open the pot, and the, the, the stress is relieved. What is a bad would be a bad way to boil water? A bad way would be to boil water in a pot with those um, clip things that clamp down the lid, and there's no way to escape. And what happens a lot of times in our lives, instead of being that healthy water, water, water uh, kettle, a lot of times we're that clamped down pot. You go through that time of intense pain and... The, inside the water gets hotter and hotter and hotter, and if it keeps getting hotter, something bad is going to happen in the end right yes. and so God has created a way for us not be not to be a clamped down pot but to be a steaming kettle and this is this is the 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 value and the beauty of lament. and uh, I think you've already passed at least you've already studied at least one psalm of lament maybe psalm ten and you'll 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 read you'll read some more but I, I want that to become real for you. Because somebody in here right now, even um, with this many people, there's somebody in here that's going through pain right now. And God has a way for you to deal with that pain in a very healthy way, which you actually do get to the other side of it. Some, you know, there's, pain leaves a mark on us, but you can move beyond pain. It doesn't have to, change, to, to um, transform the rest of your life. But when you've moved from that place through that, that place from, from pain to trust, there's one other step that I want. Mark Rogoff in his book doesn't really um, talk about this much, but it's through what I've learned through a study of Scripture and through my own experience is that when you get to that place of trust in Him, you'll watch the psalmist lament. They go one step further, especially I love it in Psalm chapter 22. The, stop, the psalmist goes one step further and he trusts in God but then like that kettle, the water starts to, um, to steam, steam out and it's going to, pretty soon it's going to affect everybody in the kitchen if they don't do something with it. Your life, when God brings you to that place of trust, your life should have an effect on the people all around you of, how God, of God's goodness. Our lives in this process, I'll be honest, when we were in Bangkok, I was not really a fountain of blessing to a lot of people because pain usually causes us to go down, dig, to, to dig in deep, to be a place of isolation, uh, get to a place of isolation where we're thinking about what can I do to restore myself? What can I do to restore my family? It's not exactly a place where I'm thinking, what can I give to other people, right? Anybody who's gone through any pain on any level, you can identify with that, right? When we, when we feel pain, when we feel hurt, we tend to, um, to turn inward. But when we've gone through this place of trusting God again, it should naturally lead us out of where we are to a place of blessing the world around us again with the goodness of God. As we continue to walk through this journey um, of lament to trust, we just, I feel like, in the past few weeks have come to a place where we're really starting to think outward again, where we, we, we've grieved We've trusted. And we're, we're now we're not thinking, what, what do I need to do to take care of me anymore? But now we're looking outward. We're saying, how can, how can I preach again? You know, when I was in Thailand, I was like, I don't have anything to, to give to other people. I can't preach. I can't teach. And now I'm like, okay, every Sunday I want to be preaching somewhere. I want someone. I want to share with someone. I want to get out of the house. I, wanted to, I want to work again. And that's the healthy place that God brings us to. And I also want to just just give God praise because when we lost everything, when we lost our home and our car and our dog and our friends and our job all in one moment, we in that season of lament, we said, God, this is what we need. Would you provide for our needs? And I realized that um, after I had started praying that prayer that God had already taken care of those needs. We needed a home to stay in when we came back here to Tuscaloosa. And when we started um, asking around, we realized that another church in town had already started renovating a mission house because they wanted to have a place for missionaries to, to land. And that mission house was available to us. We needed a car. And when we landed, another, another different church had provided a car for us to use. We needed a job. God has provided a perfect job for us that fits our gifts and our abilities and our skills in Taiwan, which is that island off the coast of China. Um, where we can go and plug in and can just continue on the next step of the journey that God has already um, started for us in China. We're going to continue to be reaching, to, to be able to engage Chinese. We're going to um, train Chinese and send them back into China to engage other Chinese with the gospel. God has provided exactly what we need in every area of our life. Thank you, Mr. James. Today, I want to point us. One more point us to Jesus as our extreme, as our perfect example of lament on the cross. Jesus cried the most intense, intense cry of lament. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus understands your pain. No matter how deep he stands ready to lead you back to the place of trust in him. He understands your pain. The purpose of this journey of lament is not just to fix your problem or to ease your pain. The purpose is to lead you back to a place of Christ exalting praise. In this season, in this COVID season, we all, as a culture, and in the cultures and the countries all around the world, we all know what it's like to shelter in. Right? Even you know, this morning I was joking with some the, the sound guys back there. Some you know, some people when you say hello, they'll reach a hand. Last night we were hanging out with this uh, uh, older couple and uh, this senior adult couple. I thought he was going to reach out to shake my hand. It's very awkward. And instead he gives me a fist bump. I'm like, what? 70 year old man give me a fist bump? Okay, I'll take it. Uh, Some people do the elbow. But we know what it's like in this time to kind of draw inward. I want to encourage you now. We're not out of COVID. We're, we're, you know, respect what the government officials say. Respect what other people around you want you to do. But in your mind and your hearts, get back out of the living room. Think about the people around you in your world who need your blessing. The people in the world who cannot lament because there's not a good God on the other side to trust in. I want to encourage you in this, as you're coming out of COVID, as you're coming out of COVID, to think, start, ask God to help you to start thinking outside of yourself again. For us, what that looks like is that we will, as soon as the borders, the country borders open, we're going to be moving back into Thailand, uh, Taiwan. Taiwan is still largely Buddhist with um, at the most 5% Christian on that island. Um, it's but it's open to religious expression And so we're going to go there, and there are two main things that we're going to do. One is we're going to train pastors to be more missional in their own communities and to send missionaries into China and around the world. So that's one aspect. One is that we're going to help those churches. We're going to get in the ditches and do the evangelism and go in in, in, and share the gospel with those 96%, 95%, 96% of people who have not yet believed in Christ. That's what it looks like for us to move from the dark hour of pain back into the place of declaring God's goodness around the world. So I would, just, I would also ask you guys to pray for us as we go through this journey. God has mostly brought us through that hard journey and, and restored us. But at the same time, there's still pieces of grief that, that kind of rise up and they, have, they affect us and our feeling and our, and our family. Pray for us as we make the transition to Taiwan. We need your prayer. We're going into a place with our family and a couple of other families that are going to be engaging a city of two million people, the the, the lost, the, the non-believers and the churches among them. That's a huge job for three families to, um, to, to engage on their own. Pray about how God may want you to come to Taiwan or to China or to somewhere else in the world. For us in Taiwan, we'll be looking to have American churches come with us to do outreach projects, which to even say that, Blows my mind. After 15 years of service in China, to think that you guys that we can bring you guys in and openly do like uh, children's um, camps and other kinds of uh, outreach projects like that is mind-boggling to me. I'm still trying to imagine that. But we're going going to need partners like you guys to come and to help us in what we're doing there. I would encourage you to pray about. Even as I've been speaking, you maybe you've been thinking. Maybe God would lead you from a place of, um, of focus and mission here, which I know your church is doing already, to go somewhere else overseas and to plant your life in a hard place and do uh, the work of telling others of God's goodness as well. And if you have thought about that, then Eric, have already been thinking about that. Erica, I would love to talk with you more about what that looks like, how that can become a reality for you. And I, just, I don't want to neglect the opportunity today while we're with you to encourage you to continue giving to and supporting um, the International Mission Board's mission work around the world. Uh, I know that um, Michael is a, um, an avid supporter of the IMB and mission work around the world. I've, we, Eric and I have worked with other uh, other IMB missionaries as well as a lot of other uh, independent missionaries or non-IMB missionaries—they're all great people. Every, every one of the missionaries are on the field, most most of the time, they're a really good person who loves the Lord a lot. But the IMB provides support for missionaries in a way that they can really thrive on the uh, on the field. When we had to leave China, we had um, leadership to support us. We had uh, member care people to help us to work, walk through that with us. Uh, we have what we needed. Um, to continue to grieve that and to prepare us to be able to launch it as soon as possible back to Taiwan and to keep going because the IMB, because Southern Baptist, Southern Baptist churches and Southern Baptist um, members like yourselves are behind that. So I would encourage you to continue uh, to do that. Thank you so much for helping us in this journey. Today, As we as I prepare to close, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for... Um, those in the room have, who who are experiencing some level of pain in your own life right now it 's likely that there are some in that place. Um, I also want to pray for all for all of us who are in this uh, kind of covid world this covid season that we 're in right now pray that God would just help us to stop thinking isolation and stop start and start thinking more. I love what all the churches have done. It's been fun to talk to different pastors. You know, some are doing FaceTime in Louisiana, where my parents live. They have drive-up church. They have like FM radio church. All the I love that churches are are finding ways to continue to to do um, you know services with each other. But I just encourage you, and I, let's let's pray to God that God would give us. Uh, Wisdom and creativity like that. Innovation to think about how can we be a blessing to others? How can we engage the completely non-believing? Those are the ones who... I think I died. Those are the ones who are most sensitive to the gospel right now. In January, when the coronavirus hit China, the U.S. consulate, even some within our organization were saying, you need to leave. You need to get out of there. You're going to get sick. And we stayed until we were absolutely forced to leave. We stayed through the the whole lockdown in China because we knew that people were most sensitive to the gospel at that time because the reality of sickness and death was more relevant to them than it had ever been. So I just want to pray for you as a church that God would give you um, a zeal and uh, creativity to be a blessing to your community, even in a time when a lot of people are trying to pull back. Let me pray for you guys, and then we will close out our service. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you have provided a pathway from pain to trust, from pain to proclamation of the gospel. Thank you so much for providing exactly what we need in those hard times that you ordain, God. God, I pray for this church. I pray for those in the room who are wrestling with pain, wrestling with questions now. A lot of, a lot of there, there, there are a lot of people around the world and there are people in this room who are asking that question, why God? Or how long? How long until you let this stop? God, I pray for those people that you would lead them, bring them back to a place of trust again, of trust in your goodness. And then, God, I pray that they would rise up like the psalmist and that they will sing that they will, like Psalm 22 say that they will sing among the nations and tell the nations of the goodness of God. God, I pray for the believers of Emmanuel Baptist Church. God, I pray that they will rise up and tell of God's goodness. Even now in this COVID season where everybody wants to draw in and to stay close, God, I pray that You give them boldness and creativity to push out and into the lives of the non-believers who need You most. Lord, I pray these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.